This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. This week, I have for you an original story. I know, I'm really bad about releasing my original stories. I'm really bad about finishing my original stories. But for those of you who used to subscribe to my now-defunct Patreon page, thank you, neighbor, for revving your engine at the just most perfect time. You may recall that I released a bonus episode reading, I believe, three or four stories that I had started and just couldn't seem to finish. So I had all of you vote on which one you'd like to hear finished first, and the winner was the story that was, at the time, simply titled Dust Bowl Story. It took me a while, but it's finally here. (laughs) And as always, before we begin, remember, check the show notes for trigger warnings, and also a trigger warning for the trigger warnings, those trigger warnings may have spoilers. So I think that made sense. Yes, trigger warnings in the show notes. The trigger warnings might contain spoilers. Yes. All right. Okay, so I finally present to you the newly titled God Will Provide. Moving mom into the nursing home was hard. Her Alzheimer's had just deteriorated her mind to a point where she couldn't take care of herself anymore. With all the overtime I've been working and my boss's irritation with the amount of times my mother calls a day, I just couldn't take care of her myself. It also wouldn't have been fair to leave her for my husband to take care of. He's retiring soon, and his job allows him to work from home three days out of the week, but he would have ended up a full-time nurse during those days, on top of juggling his job. So, for the past few weekends, we've toured different homes. I was already racked with guilt at the thought of putting my mother in one of these places, so I just had to find a place with a spotless reputation and a staff equipped to handle mom's needs. Surprisingly, one of the hardest things to find was a place that would also cater to her vegetarian diet. Mom's been a vegetarian since before it was a big thing. She told me once that she hadn't had meat since she lived in Oklahoma, before she met Dad. Mom grew up in Oklahoma during the Dust Bowl in the 1930s. I didn't know much about her time there. She rarely spoke of it. I know my grandparents had died there, but... When and how was also a mystery. Growing up, my dad's parents had almost overwhelmingly filled the grandparents' role. 
feeding us too much sugar, taking my brother and I camping, gifting us itchy sweaters, and our first pocket knives. So I never felt the need to ask about my absent ones. It wasn't much of a fight, thank God, getting mom to move into the home. She was to have her own mini apartment, so she retained a little bit of independence. She was a proud woman, but we had caught her in a moment of lucidity and she welcomed the idea of someone cooking and cleaning for her for a change. The weekend after that, I stopped by the old house to poke around and get a rough idea of what should be sold and what should be kept. After dad's parents passed, their home and belongings became a battleground between dad and his siblings. It had caused him so much pain. He had to grieve his parents and one of his sisters who, because her brothers and sisters refused to just hand her half of grandma's jewelry and the house for her and her boyfriend of the month to live in for free, decided never to speak to any of the other four siblings ever again. From then on, he insisted my brother and I just sell the damned house and split any profit down the middle. Put all the rest in the dump for all I care. Just don't fight. It's only stuff. When I walked into my childhood home, I almost gagged on a putrid smell that permeated the house. The trash. None of us had thought to take it out when we picked up mom. It had been an emotional day for everybody, and it just never crossed our minds. I went to the kitchen and to the trash can. I looked down and saw the styrofoam container for chicken pieces. The juice sitting in the bottom was definitely the offender. I dramatically made a gross out noise with my throat and quickly began to tie the bag when something under the container caught my eye. A book. If it had been some old paperback mystery, I would have unapologetically tied it up with the rancid chicken juice and tossed it into the dumpster. But this was something old. Very old. I grabbed a wooden spoon from the holder on the counter and nudged the container aside. It was a little beige book, and in very small gold lettering it said, Diary. My interest was piqued. I definitely couldn't throw this away. Why had mom? Okay, I had to read it. I was too curious not to. I searched under the sink and found some purple dishwashing gloves. I put them on and used them to pick the diary out of the trash. I tossed it on the counter and quickly bagged up the rest of the trash and took it outside, just as the evening sky had begun pouring rain. I found some scented candles inside and lit them. The pages of the diary had unfortunately absorbed the chicken odor. This wasn't going to stop me, though. I know, this was a huge violation of privacy. If she didn't want anyone to read it, I should have just left it in the trash and tossed it. But in that moment, it was as if all the questions I never asked my whole life came flooding into my brain. I didn't know anything about mom's past. I certainly didn't know her as the type of person to keep a diary. Who was this past version of my mother? Did it have answers about the grandparents I never knew? I made a cup of tea and settled into an armchair in the living room. The silence in the house felt odd. When I was a teenager, 
I lived for the moments of time it was this quiet in the house. That little window when my brother was off with his friends or at some sort of sports practice and my parents weren't home from work yet. I had relished in the sweet sound of nothing. But now, it just felt sad. An end of an era. Before I read anything, I texted my brother. Did you know mom kept a diary? My brother, always one for brevity, simply texted back two question marks. His way of saying he didn't know and wasn't particularly interested. I texted back anyway. Well, I found one, and I'm going to read it. I think it's from when she was a kid. He texted back a thumbs up. Idiot. I loved him dearly. In person, we're pals, but he wasn't the best when it came to communicating via anything other than face-to-face interactions. The diary still reeked, but the cinnamon roll candle on the table beside me helped a bit. All right. Here we go, I said to myself as I opened the book to the front page. I was greeted by a juvenile version of my mother's beautiful cursive handwriting. As I began to read, a thought quickly came and went through my head. What if you don't like what you find? April 14th, 1935. Happy 13th birthday to me. Mom and Daddy gave me this diary and said it was good for young girls to keep their thoughts written down instead of out loud. Mama made me pancakes with the rest of the apple butter from last fall and some molasses instead of a cake like usual. It was good, but Susie Boykin still got a cake and her family is moving to California. We have to stay here and I don't even get cake. We are also trapped inside our house. The wind howls like a banshee. The dust is so thick, it's coming through the cracks in the walls. Daddy doesn't plant crops no more. I asked him why, and he said it was no concern of little girls. April 15th, 1935. We had fried dough for supper. We've been having it so often, I asked Mama when we would have a proper supper again. She just told me to mind my own and if I wanted something better to find it myself. I don't think I'll be asking questions anymore. Yesterday I found some mushrooms, but Micah said they was no good and probably poison. He didn't yell though. Mom and Daddy have been yelling a whole lot. Ruthie has been okay since she's little. She don't seem to mind fried dough all the time. I just wish the wind would stop dust gets into my eyes and mouth. My teeth always have sand gritting between them. It was so thick today, it looked like nighttime all day. Everyone is in such a bad mood. Micah at least gets to go out. He's sweet on Opal Stevens, so he's always going to pay her visits. He comes back covered head to toe in dust, but he always has a big smile on his face. Her family is staying too. Mr. Stevens says that California is nothing but Sodom and Gomorrah, like in the Bible. Plus, he said his family has enough stores to feed ten people for the next year, and it's just the three of them, diary. 
They haven't taught us about Sodom or Gomorrah in Sunday school, but now that I'm 13, I get to go to the regular services, and I guess I'll find out soon. Okay, so long, diary. April 16th, 1935. Not much to say, diary. Fried dough for supper again, without even any salt. Yuck. April 20th, 1935. I haven't written for a while, diary. Times has been tough. We are running low on food. I thought Mama just really liked fried dough, but turns out that was all we had. Daddy told her she should be teaching me to cook by now, so I know how or I'll never find no man to take me. Mama just cried. Then she hollered at Daddy like I'd never seen her holler before. I couldn't even understand what she was saying. She was hollering and crying so loud. Then she opened up the cabinets and showed him. We ain't got no food for which I could learn to cook. She told Daddy he can't say nothing about her not doing her motherly duties. Then she quoted Timothy. I had to look it up. But she said, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Daddy just hung his head and went outside. Mama boiled some beans Micah brought that the Stevens had sent with him. I guess everyone knew he was out of food but me. Well, me and Ruthie. She don't notice nothing, though. April 23rd, 1935. Daddy hasn't spoke much since him and Mama had it out. But then again... None of us has much to say anyway. Still no food. All the shops are shut down, so Daddy can't even find a town job. The dust is so thick. The wind just blows and blows. You'd think that someday it would run out of air to blow, but it just keeps on blowing, and there hasn't been no rain. Our crops are all long dead. And we never had much in the way of livestock, and when Daddy went to slaughter and salt our last pig, he found it already dead and covered in some kind of skin ick. Mama said we couldn't eat it or we'd get the ick too. She said this is all a sign of the end times, like from Revelations. Ruthie keeps crying because her belly hurts from being so hungry. Mine does too, but I'm not a baby. So I ain't gonna cry. April 30th, 1935. Daddy and Micah had it out. Micah's been bringing home little bits of food from the Stevens and from the church for days now. The church had made up little boxes of dried beans and flour and molasses for the poor. And Mama begged Daddy to go ask for a box, but Daddy said, We ain't poor. We own a farm farmers feed the church folk. It ain't the other way around. Nothing grows on our farm, though. And it's still so dusty. Maka went behind Daddy's back and got us a box. Daddy snatched it and turned it upside down on the floor. The flour spilled all over. I swept it up and put it back in the sack, but now it's half dust. 
while I swept. Micah stormed out, and this time Mama quoted a different book to Daddy. Proverbs. She said, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. We all went to bed with no supper again. May 8th, 1935. Oh, such sad but also glad news, diary. The bad is that Micah is heartbroken. The glad is that the Stevens have decided to move to Chicago. Mr. Stevens has a brother there who got him a good job in a factory. I think that sounds very exciting, but of course Micah is very sad. Opal is not allowed to stay here on account of we can't feed the mouths we already have, much less one more. And Micah cannot go with them because all three of the Stevens will be staying in the living room of Mr. Stevens' brother's apartment in the first month, before they get their own place, and there won't be enough room. Plus, they aren't married, and that would be very indecent. Micah asked Opal for her hand, but she is only 14, and he is only 15, and she said her daddy said she could not get married until she is 16 at least, and only if the proposer has a job. I think Opal is about to have such a fun adventure, and I know God will bless them, but I hope he also blesses Micah, because he is so sad. May 10th, 1935. Daddy did a kind thing. He went himself to Mr. Stevens and asked for him to reconsider letting Opal stay with us. He said he was going to tell him that him and Mama were only 14 and 15 when they got married and that this dust can't last much longer, and Micah will be back to farming with Daddy in no time. May 11th, 1935. When Daddy got back from the Stevens, he told Micah that he didn't need that no-good family of heathens moving off to the big city like they were better than everybody. He said that Mr. Stevens called Micah a bum, so Daddy called Opal... Well, I won't say what Daddy said, but he said Opal wouldn't be a very godly young lady once they got to Chicago. Then Mr. Stevens told Daddy he was a bum too, and that without their charity, we would have all starved. I've never seen Daddy cry before, but he hugged Mama around the waist and just cried like a little child. I prayed extra hard for Daddy that night. May 21st, 1935. I'm sorry I haven't been writing diary. I have not been feeling well at all. Daddy has started building a shack in the east field. Micah is always at the Stevens except to sleep and to bring us supplies from them or the church. Ruthie has a big swollen belly but she doesn't cry as much anymore. Mama just stares out the window at Daddy. The wind blew a little less today. Maybe tomorrow I'll take Ruthie and we can play outside. May 18th, 1935. Daddy has the shed built, and when Mama asked him what's it for, he just said, God will provide. May 20th, 1935. 
Yesterday, Mako went to say goodbye to Opal. The Stevens were supposed to leave today, but Mako found that they had already left. Their house was empty, and their old jalopy was long gone. Maybe Opal told Mako the wrong day, so they wouldn't have to have a sad goodbye and would only keep their happy memories. Daddy says Mr. Stevens probably just got word that his job started a day sooner than before. Either way, Maka is still very mournful, but Mama says now the healing process can begin. I wonder how long it takes for a broken heart to heal. When I broke my finger last June, it took almost six weeks before Mama let me take the splint off. So maybe, by summer, Micah's heart will be better. May 20th, 1935, again. I forgot to say diary. Daddy has been bringing home food left and right. Preserves and beans and corn and flour and even salted pork. He said he got a job digging ditches up near the new big county road that's going in. Mama asked him why a road would need ditches, and he said it was so people wouldn't drive into the fields on both sides. She said it didn't make sense, and Daddy raised his voice, and this time he was the one quoting scripture to her. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. I wish Mama would just be happy. We have so much food again. I know I am. May 25th. 1935. Micah has not come out of his darkness, diary, and I worry for him. Daddy has started acting strangely. Sometimes he is so happy and so proud of all the things he has provided us, but if we don't tell him every night that we are grateful and say, Daddy, thank you for what you have provided us, he hollers at us for being ungrateful. He says we don't even know what he has had to do for what we have. So now, every night we all make sure to say, Thank you, Daddy. Even Ruthie. June 6th, 1935. Ruthie has started getting the shakes, and so have I a little. We don't know why. June 8th, 1935. All of us are feeling poorly, and Daddy happened to walk in from work to hear us all agree that it must be the new pork Daddy brought home. Everything else is dry or jarred, so it just must be. Mama told him that the butcher must have given him a bad batch. Daddy turned and walked out the door without a word, and didn't come back until the rest of us had gone to bed. Daddy has been so strange. I will pray extra hard for him tonight. Undated. Diary. I have to hide you now. My daddy is a monster. I pray God send his angels to save us from the devil that is in our house. I have not had a steady enough hand to write this for a while. And I now hide you so... Daddy doesn't find you. We told Daddy we were sick, and Mama refused to fry up any more of the pork he brought home. So Daddy started laughing, Diary. Laughing like a demon in hell. 
He said we all needed to come to the shed. He said, as a family, it was time to see what he had done for us. How he had provided, just like the Bible says he should have. So, Mama lit up three lamps, and we all went, even Ruthie, out into the wind and the dust, out to the shed. When Daddy opened the door, Micah started to holler. The shed was full of so much stuff, diary, all kinds of stores of food, but also some furniture and clothes all piled in one corner. I didn't know what was happening until Micah said, This is all from the Stevens. Daddy. Daddy laughed again. Demon laugh. Diary. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, who art in heaven, please forgive what I am about to write. Daddy went to a big metal thing and opened the lid. Oh, please, Lord, save me from the sin of my father. He reached and cracked through a thick layer of salt. And he pulled out Opal Stevens' head. Undated. Micah has died. I found him hanging from the old dead tree out back. When I came to tell Mama and Daddy, Daddy just said, God has provided. There was one last entry in the diary. It seemed to be written hastily. It was difficult to read. The ink was smudged and it was slanted across the page, not in the neat rows like the previous entries. It read, Diary. It is winter. It has not stopped. Traveling salesmen, folks passing through on their way to California, too many. I am scared all the time and I won't eat nothing but beans or dough and daddy has started taking the belt to me every night for being ungrateful for what God has provided. God didn't provide none of it, diary. Satan did. For this, I am sure. Daddy has a sickness. A sickness he has passed to Mama and I fear also to Ruthie. I am going to tell. I am going tonight to town when everyone is asleep. I will go to the sheriff's office. Praise Jesus. Send your angels and guide me on my journey. Goodbye for now, diary. And that's where it ended. The rest of the pages were blank. The rain continued on outside while I sat in grim silence. After a time, I decided to go home. I couldn't think clearly in this old house. I would show the diary to my husband and discuss it. I drove with the radio off, my head a dark cloud, 
my brain quietly whispering questions, as if it was afraid to bring any one of them loudly into the forefront. Whenever a morbid thought would push its way forward, I immediately stamped it back down. It was all so much to consider. It was too much. When I stepped through the front door, our large, goofy mutt we lovingly named Hamburger, after what we found him chomping on by the dumpster in a Wendy's parking lot, greeted me at the door. My husband called a greeting from the kitchen where he was making dinner. The whole scene was so comforting and brought me back down from the clouds a bit. I was in my warm home that smelled deliciously like homemade curry, getting slobbery kisses from a 70-pound lug of pure love, while my husband happily sang a song he had just made up about not rubbing your eyes after chopping chilies and I could strip off my sweater made uncomfortably damp by the rain. I plopped down at the breakfast bar to watch my husband work, to figure out a way to bring up the diary. Hamburger laid his big head in my lap and stared up at me adoringly, as if my homecoming was the greatest thing that had ever happened to him in his whole life, at least until it was time for his dinner anyway. What's on the menu tonight, hon? I asked. I attempted to hide the strain in my voice. Bangan Bartha, eggplant curry, mom's recipe. Oh, she called, by the way. She said dad's latest checkup went great and his cholesterol is down. After his appointment, though, she caught him in the pantry halfway through a bag of Oreos. Uh, He kept yelling in the background, they're vegan, they're vegan, they don't count. (laughs) I think she's counting the days until she goes over to see her sis. Hun? You okay? He had stopped chopping, and I looked up to see him staring at me. I realized I had been staring off into space without blinking, barely listening to him. I shook the haze out of my head and decided to get right to it. I found a diary at my mom's house. It's from when she was a girl in Oklahoma. Oklahoma? He asked. I thought your parents were from San Francisco. No, Dad was, Um, and they met there, but Mom was originally from Oklahoma, and her family just stayed there. I never even met them. I didn't even know she had siblings, till now. Growing up, she just didn't talk about them, so neither did we. I don't even know how she got to San Francisco. Well... That must have been kind of nice then. Sort of like seeing a window into your own past, too, he said. No. No, it was... terrible. The things she saw, the things she experienced. Honestly, it's so horrifying. I can't even describe it. I can't say those things out loud. I was beginning to work myself into a panic. Whoa, 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 it's okay. He ran around the counter and put his arms around me. Why don't you go lay down? I'll bring you some tea and... And after I get this onto a simmer, I will read the diary myself. Maybe having a second set of eyes on it will bring some clarity. 
Okay? Okay? I agreed. I laid down on the couch. Hammy laid on top of me, forever thinking he was still a tiny puppy. But right now, I welcomed it. He was like a furry weighted blanket. It helped calm me. After dinner was taking care of itself, simmering away on the stove, my husband took the diary out of my purse and sat across from me in the overstuffed armchair. Oh, why does it smell like that? I thought it would smell good, like an old library book. This smells practically rancid. He held it away from him between his thumb and forefinger. Oh, God, that was another weird thing. I found it in the trash. It soaked up a little rotten chicken juice. Chicken juice? Your mom is a vegetarian. Her and I have traded recipes for years. I don't know. Maybe she had company over. When we were kids, she'd cook meat sometimes to appease the rest of us. Hmm. He made a noise that said he didn't think that made much sense. But I was so eager for him to read what was inside, I just threw up my hands in frustration. Just read it, okay? Just look, please. I need to talk to someone about this. I pleaded. He nodded and opened the small book, grimacing still at the smell. I watched him the entire time, my eyes tracing his face for any sort of reaction. There were a few furrowed brows, a few light gasps, but when it ended, he shut the book, raised his glasses to rest on the top of his head, and smiled. How could you be smiling right now? That book is grotesque. The things she, I mean, she... He cut me off. Honey, this is clearly fiction, he said matter-of-factly. Fiction? How can you be so sure? I said incredulously. Well, first of all, this can't be a first-hand account of your mother's. If she had been 13 years old in 1935, she would be 98 years old today. Considering we just had a huge bash for your mother's 90th birthday in January, she would have only been five years old if this was actually written in 1935. You said you never heard her mention any siblings. Maybe she didn't have any. Maybe she wrote this as a teenager herself, a little work of creative writing. Your mother always had an appreciation for a good mystery novel. Maybe in her youth she dipped her toe into writing some mystery, or in this case, horror, for herself. Then got bored with it and just never finished it, like teenagers do. (laughs) Then why the secrecy? Why would she try to throw it away? I demanded. Maybe she was embarrassed. This is pretty morbid. You're acting as if she tried to destroy evidence. She didn't exactly burn it, just tossed it in the trash like you would a banana peel. Plus, your mother, though your mother, is a human, just like the rest of us. She's allowed to keep a few secrets, but I highly doubt one of them is that she came from a bloody Bender-esque family of cannibals. 
I breathed a heavy sigh of relief. I was just worked up and feeling guilty about putting my mom in a home. I was stressed and sad about selling the house I'd grown up in. I just had so many plates of stress spinning that this mysterious little book just brought them all crashing down. After dinner, I took a hot bath, a sleeping pill, and climbed into bed with Hammy. I was dead to the world until the next morning, when my husband was frantically shaking me awake. Honey, honey, your brother is on the phone. It's an emergency. It's about your mom. I opened my eyes in a sleepy haze. The effects of the sleeping pill had really grabbed me and held on. Before I could even remember my own name, a phone was being thrust into my hand. I held it up to my ear. Seth? <laughs> what is it? I'm here. What is wrong with you? I've been calling you since 3 a.m. What the hell have you been doing? Sleeping. Sleeping? Are you kidding me? At this hour? I glanced at the clock to see that it was one in the afternoon. I had slept for like 14 hours. <sighs> Shit. I took a sleeping pill. I'm sorry. You need to get down to the home right now. Mom attacked the night nurse. Apparently the woman may not even make it. You have to get down there. She said she only wants to talk to Esther. What? Mom? Oh my god. Okay, I'll call you when I know anything else. Shit. I hit end on the screen without saying goodbye. I threw on some clothes and a hat to cover my bedhead. When I headed out of the bedroom, Samar was already standing in the doorway, ready with his keys in hand. Whatever it is, it would make me feel better if I drove you. Otherwise, I'll just be wringing my hands with worry at home, he said. I've still got this pill making me feel swimmy. That's probably a good idea. I agreed, and we headed out the door. When we got to the home, there was still one police car out front. The staff seemed in a frenzy, and the front desk receptionist seemed terrified to even speak to me. Cindy, how are you? I asked. Your mother is... I'm being held in the medical office. I'll take you right to her. She squeaked out. Samar and I followed the usually boisterous and friendly woman, where she knocked gingerly and quietly said through the door, Her daughter is here! To my utmost surprise, a uniformed officer answered the door. Before I could introduce myself, I looked past him to see a female officer standing next to my frail, 90-year-old mother, who sat in handcuffs with a bandage on her head. The noise that came out of me was guttural. What in the fucking world possessed you to handcuff a 90-year-old woman? Get those fucking things off her right now. I want to talk to every supervisor I fucking can. Samar, go get Cindy and ask her who was in charge during the night and morning shift. As for you two, I will be filing a complaint with the police department. Ma'am, this is standard procedure. Your mother violently attacked several members of the staff here. We did this for their and her safety. Mom was just sitting there with a smile on her face. I had never been so happy that she didn't seem to be lucid at all. 
I dropped to my knees in front of her and held both her hands in mine. Mom, oh mom, we will get to the bottom of this. I turned to the officer. My mother doesn't have a violent bone in her body. She didn't even believe in spanking. If she attacked someone, I am sure they did something to deserve it. Before the officer could answer, Mom spoke. Esther, you're here. I missed you so. Her voice was higher, like she was talking like a child, and her old accent was thicker than I'd ever heard it. Mom? Mom, it's Robin. You're Esther. It's the first time she had forgotten who she was. It was heartbreaking to watch. But she just giggled like a little girl and said, (laughs) I'm not Esther. You're Esther. I'm Ruby. With that sentence, she sucked the wind out of my chest. What did you say? Mom? Your name is Esther. Why was I getting so angry? I needed to calm down. Her brain is sick, that's all. No, no, no. Oh, that's right. You look just like my sister Esther, though. (laughs) She was so pretty. Was? What happened to Esther, Mom? Uh, Ruthie? At that moment, Smar ran back into the room. Rob, I have to talk to you. Just wait! I exclaimed. Frustrated, I turned back to Mom. Mom, what happened to Esther? Robin, I have to talk to you. Smar demanded. Mom had started humming a song and tracing circles on the ground with her socked toe. Mom isn't exactly here with us anyway. Just tell me. Tears were running down my face. Watching my strong and beautiful mother in such a state of deterioration. Hun. The nurse your mother attacked. She didn't make it. She's dead. There was a scream, and the other night nurse went to help, thinking it was your mom who fell or something, but he... Samar then took a deep breath and looked sick. He found your mom had stabbed her in the neck with scissors. And... It it looked as if she was attempting to butcher her. I turned back to Mom, who was still humming and drawing her circles. Mom, what happened to Esther? Oh, Esther, she was gonna tell. So I told Mama and Daddy. And Daddy said his favorite scripture. Scripture, Ruthie. God will provide. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed uh, this story. I really, I really enjoyed working on this one. Um, I don't know what it was about this one. You know, writers out there understand there are some that you finish and you're just like, yeah, that was, that was good. I got it out. And then there are some that you're like, oh, this was one of my, my little babies. And I don't know, this one just, I really enjoyed working on it. Um, so I hope you liked it. If you have any questions about it, uh, you know, this, this time the discussion thread on Facebook will be perfect because I can just answer questions for you. Um, I've actually built kind of a background to this story. I got so invested in the characters and there's a lot that I didn't actually say in the story that I have answers for just because, you know, sometimes, especially with horror, if you give too much, it just starts to get, you know, not as good. Uh, Fantastic Beasts kind of come to mind where it was like everybody asked J.K. Rowling all these questions about the lore behind Harry Potter and then she started writing all this other stuff to explain it and it's like sometimes it's just a little more magical without the explanations and without the transphobia. Anyway, um, anyway, (laughs) so I have one thing to ask of you. If you could all Just tell one friend about my show, and I would be eternally grateful. Um, Yeah, I'd like to grow the show a little bit. With the transition, of course, you know, it was a little shaky, and it's been great, honestly. I've gained so many new followers. There are so many new people here. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome. Um, But yeah, so just tell one friend. It'd be great. Or tweet about it, or Instagram about it or Facebook about it, or talk about it on your podcast, or ask me to come be a guest on your podcast as well. Um, Why does the word podcast sound weird? I keep wanting to say podcast, and that's not correct. And podcast feels weird in my mouth right now. Hmm. Um, Anyway, so hope you enjoyed the episode. Like I said, if you'd like to ask me questions about this particular story, um, you, a lot of you always have questions about the stories and I always have to just kind of say, Oh, let me ask the author or direct you to the author. And sometimes the authors kind of want to stay anonymous and don't really want to talk about it, which I don't blame them, but here I am. Ask me your questions. Um, I think that's all. Follow the show on Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook. I think that was all of them. Was that all of them? I think that was all of them. Uh, yeah, follow it on those things. If you have a submission, if you'd like your story turned into a scary to sleep episode, submit it to scary to sleep at gmail.com or you can find the contact form at scary to sleep.com. There's also a PO box there. I just got asked by a couple people if uh, my PO box is still active. It is. I have not checked it in about two months. My bad. Um, it's COVID. I don't really like. I really don't like going out if I don't have to. And to be honest, the last few times I checked it, it was completely empty. So <laughs> that's not to make you feel sorry for me. That's not to make you like send me stuff. It's just. It's just a matter of fact. It was empty, and I was like, oof. I'm like out here in the world with my germs and everyone else's germs. 
and I don't need to be because my PO box is empty. So I haven't checked it in a couple months. So if you did, if you have sent me something and I haven't said anything about it, it that's the reason why um, is because of the global pandemic. But I will check it soon because a few of you have asked recently. So I know to be expecting some things, um, which is so generous. You don't have, again, you don't have to send me things at all. The honestly, the only reason I even opened it was to send you things through Patreon when I had a Patreon and I didn't want to put my personal address as my return address, which ended up being a very good thing because I had a few weird experiences for Patreon that I may talk about someday, but not right now. Because right now, you know what it's time for? For you to go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.